0: All right, good morning, church. How are you all doing? Oh, man, what's he up to? I have no idea. Man, I am so glad to get to be here with you guys this morning and share from God's Word with you. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm the family pastor. If you're new here and you don't know me, um, you know, we just finished up a series. Pastor Mitch just finished up a series called The Not-So-Secret Sauce and uh, he was preaching out of 2 Peter chapter 1, and he was talking about, you know, Peter in that uh, beginning of that, uh, that letter was talking about these things that we should supplement our faith with, uh, things that were sort of uh, qualities that should be in us and should be growing, and among these were things like knowledge and goodness and godliness and perseverance, and then the, sort of the capstone of that was love that we talked about last week. And what Peter says there at the end of that that, that little discourse, he says that if you have these supplements, if you have these qualities in you and they are increasing, that they will keep you from being unproductive and unfruitful or unfruitful and unproductive in the kingdom of God. Knowledge, goodness, godliness, perseverance, love. And, you know, when I look at that, uh, that series and particularly that last part about, you know, that these things will keep you from being unproductive and unfruitful, it. It brings to mind, it reminds me of a question that I've asked myself at a number of different times in my Christian walk, and and that, that question is this, is there something more to the Christian life? Is there some, something that I'm missing in this Christian walk? Because if those qualities, if those things are going to keep me from being unproductive and unfruitful, then it begs the question, What is what is being productive and fruitful look like? And am I... Am I missing out on something? Is there something greater that's available to me as a follower of Jesus that I've somehow missed out on? And at different points in my life, when I've looked out you know, at other people that were following Jesus and I've seen, you know, I've heard their stories about how God has moved in amazing ways and their worship and it, it, just observing other people, I've sometimes had the feeling that I was on the outside looking in or that I was maybe missing out on some, you know, some aspect of my Christian life. And to use kind of a sports analogy, I've felt at times that I was on the team, I was in the uniform, but I was standing on the sidelines watching the game go by and not getting a chance to to get in the game. And so as I've thought about that over the years, and and again, this question has been a recurring one for me over time, and as I've thought more about it, I have come to an idea or the Lord has brought me to an idea that we're going to explore this morning, and that is this, knowledge without action robs you, robs me, of true joy. Knowledge without action robs you of true joy. We're going to turn, if you have your Bible and you want to open up there, we're going to read from James, the half-brother of Jesus. We're going to read from James, starting in chapter 1, I'm just going to read chapter 1 of James, verse 22 through 25, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, at first glance, when you look at that verse, you may, you know, if you're like me, you may immediately start thinking, oh, boy, here comes the list of things to do. Like, here comes the list of, you know, get your notes out and write down all the do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that from, from the Scripture and it, you may have that sense of impending doom like Mike's getting ready to tell me here are the things that I'm not doing that I need to do. Okay. But you know what God actually what he intended through this little couple little lines was quite the opposite. And the key to this is in the end uh, of the little those those few verses that I read and verse 25 is the key. What James says is the one who applies what he's learned when he, the one who has applied his knowledge he will be blessed. In his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. What does God want for his people? What does he want for his children? You know, if we look at what Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly, life the way that it was meant to be. The psalmist in 16, Psalm sixteen eleven says to God, he says, you make known to me the paths of life. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What God is offering us in the doing is fullness of joy in his presence. Because God is at work, as Jesus said, my father is at work even up until this day. God is at work and when we join him where he's working, there's joy. And so that kind of brings me back to our big idea. And by the time we're done here, you guys will be able to repeat it back to me. Knowledge without action robs you of true joy. And to illustrate that point, we're going to look at a couple of of accounts that you can find in the book of Matthew. Uh, The first one is in chapter 4, and here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you, or I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. Now, a couple of things that we want to draw our attention to there. Number one, who were these guys? Who were Peter and Andrew? They were commercial fishermen. They weren't out there on the, you know, sharkies, you know, trying to... That, that's not what they were doing. They were commercial fishermen, and this was their living. And they lived in kind of a backwater. If you're not familiar with the, you know, the, the geography of Israel, Galilee was kind of like the, the, the redneck region Of Israel okay this is sort of a backwater place and so here are these guys they're out fishing when Jesus comes to them he doesn't just make an invitation come and follow me he does but we need to pay attention to what he's offering them he says I will make you fishers of men I will send you out I he's basically saying to them I'm gonna involve you in something that's so much greater than what you're doing right now that it's gonna blow your minds and if we look at their response it says at once They left their nets. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now, we're going to contrast that to another young man who approached Jesus, and this was in Matthew 19, beginning in verse 16. And what we see there is a situation where a rich young man, or or others, others of the Gospels call him a rich young ruler, gives us some idea about who this person was. He approaches Jesus and he asks him, Master, what must I do? to gain eternal life, basically saying to earn (laughs) eternal life. And Jesus initially says to him, well, obey the commandments. And of course, there's hundreds of commandments at that time. And so the male man says, well, okay, which ones in particular? And so Jesus rattles off a few of the commandments, particularly the ones focused on other people, on man, and our relationship with other people. And then the young man says, well, I've kept all of these since my youth, which I'm a little dubious about that, to be quite honest with you. He may have outwardly kept those things, but we know right, that even when we look good on the outside, very often we are not so good on the inside. But he was keeping up appearances at least, and then Jesus doesn't, he doesn't challenge him on those things, but he goes straight to the heart of things. Of course, He's got a little advantage on us because he's God. So he knew this man's heart and he knew where this man's heart was set. And so the next thing he says to him, he says, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. So there's the offer. You will have treasure. You'll have heavenly treasure. So something greater than you can imagine, something greater than earthly treasure, he's offering to him. And then he says, and come, follow me. And immediately we see where this man's heart has been set because it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad or he went away grieving, in some translations, because he had great wealth. So, as I read those texts next to each other, I ask myself the question what is it that separated Peter and Andrew from this unnamed young man? And the Lord brought to my mind kind of a vivid picture from my, my youth. That to help drive the, the the message home to me, and hopefully it will to you too. I um I grew up in a town a lot like Venice, uh, in the sense that about the same size as Venice, and also on the shore. Of course, it was in New Jersey, not Florida, so I didn't have the palm trees, unfortunately. But I I grew up in that culture, in that beach culture, and I love it. I mean, I love being here. I love surf culture. I love beach culture, and uh, you know. If there's particularly, I love the beach if there's waves, if there, you know, which we don't get a whole lot here, unfortunately. But man, if, the, if there's waves, that's where I want to be. I want to be down on the water, in the water, whether it's on a board or just body surfing, whatever it is, I want to be riding the waves. And if there's any of you here that are wave riders, you get what I mean, right? There's just something about it that draws you in there. Um, well, where I grew up, there were two kinds of, of kids that hung out on the locals' beach. There were What I'll call the wave riders, the surfers, the people that were out in the water. And then there was this other group who were part of the community, but they were people who weren't surfers, but who looked like, talked like, partied with, hung out with the surfers, but never actually got in the water. See, they loved the lifestyle, they loved the music, they used the slang, they loved hearing the stories, they loved watching others do the surfing. But something had kept them or was keeping them out of the water. These weren't people that were posing. These were an accepted part of the community. They were part of our group. But for some reason, they never took that final step to go from the beach and out into the water. And that never made any sense to me. Because, you know, why would you come this far? Why would you spend your day on the beach in the sand and never get out in the water, never pick up your board and go out into the surf? You're part of the community. Why would you miss out on, on the best part of it? And it turns out that that these folks they had a lot of them had pretty good reasons. Fear was probably one of the biggest ones, right? Fear of uh, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of what's in the water, all those sorts of things, right? And if it wasn't fear, it was the cost, right? The cost in in money, right? That that's not a cheap piece of equipment, uh, or the cost in time to learn. And to get out there. And of course the failure that comes with learning. Whatever the reason, these folks decided that they were comfortable and content being part of the surf community, the surf lifestyle, living vicariously, or at least trying to live vicariously through the people that were out in the water. The problem with this is that they were missing out on what is really the essence of being a part of that community. The real joy that is to be a part of that community. And they don't even or they didn't even understand what it was that they were missing because they knew a lot about surfing. But as we said, knowledge without action robs us of of true joy. See, the truth is you cannot live vicariously through someone else's experiences, no matter how good they are at describing them. It's just not a thing. It's an expression, but it's not reality. I could sit up here and try to tell you and explain to you the adrenaline rush that comes when you get on a on a large wave and you you know you drop in and the, there's you know you don't know if you're going to you know if you're going to wipe out at that moment if you're going to get you know uh, you don't know what's going to happen and then as you come across the face of that wave and you feel the, the the wind coming from as the wave breaks behind you and it pushes that wind in front of it there is something about that is amazing if you've never experienced it, there's, there's nothing that I could say to you that's going to really make you feel that. Living vicariously is a myth. Okay, enough of surfing stories. What in the world does this have to do with Peter and Andrew and Jesus and the rich young man? And more important than that, what does it have to do with you and with me? Well, let me make the connection. The church, the people of, that, of Christ, the followers of Jesus, us here, We are our own community. In fact, we're our own peculiar community. Some of us more, I'm looking around, some of us more peculiar than others. Um, But, you know, just like the surf community, we have our own kind of music. We go to our own kind of parties. We read certain kinds of books. We have our own lingo. We have our own traditions. We just celebrated communion. That's one of them. We have our own heroes. We have our own lore, so to speak, Right? We thrill at hearing the stories of missionaries in the field. Um, you know, we 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 love to hear stories of folks that, that are, you know, that we feel have great faith and are seeing God do amazing things in them and through them. And we even have our own version of the beach, and this is it right here. Right? And just like surf culture, at any given moment on the beach, there are people amongst us who are content. To stay on shore that if that this gathering as good as it is as wonderful it is as it is is the sum total of their experience in following jesus and these are not folks who are unsafe so don't hear me wrong these are folks who who look like and talk like and believe the same things but for whatever reason when they walk out these doors they are not out in the water And because of that, they're not experiencing the joy that following Christ really offers. So there's nothing wrong with the beach. This is God's design. This is wonderful, this gathering. It's important. It's a place where we fellowship together. It's a place where we can join together and worship God, where we can share our stories, where we can learn from one another, where we can encourage one another. But there is a life beyond this beach that we might be missing out on. I'll put it this way, it's not that if you're missing out, on it, it's not that as if you're, uh, you're going to hell, but what, you're, what you are is you're missing a slice of heaven, this side of glory, that comes with following Jesus in a radical way. For those that might be here, let me just say this, that might be here that are, that are seeking, that you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, that you're kind of checking out Christianity, you're not sure what it's all about, um, I would have this to say to you. So that there's no confusion here. Salvation, being right, being made right with God is not about the good things that you do. It is about what has been done for you by Jesus Christ. But there are good things that have been prepared for you to enjoy doing once you've been freed from sin by faith in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on your behalf. So that's not what this is about. This isn't about working our way into God's good graces or working our way into righteousness. That is anti-gospel. But this is about a joy that God has for us in following him out into the waves. So if you're here, and I would say, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus as the only way, he is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through him. If you haven't placed your faith in him as the only way to abundant and eternal life, then I would ask you, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? Right? Just like Peter and Andrew and the rich young ruler, Jesus is saying to you, come, follow me. Follow me. He is the way to gain entry into this community, which is the family of God. And he has something greater for you. He has abundant life, fullness of joy, and he has that all prepared for you. Now, if you are a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, but you're realizing as I'm talking up here that, oh, I I think I might be spending too much time on the beach. Well, then I would say do something with that knowledge, right? Take up your board, follow him into the surf, because like we've been saying, knowledge without action robs you of true joy. So what is it that separated Peter and Andrew from the rich young ruler? They heard the same call. They were both promised something greater. The difference is that the rich young man was paralyzed by his fear. His heart was set on something that he was unwilling to let go of. See, Jesus offered him complete life, abundant life, treasures, heavenly treasures, but his fear paralyzed him. And the crazy thing is, he more than likely had way more knowledge than either Peter or Andrew combined. This was a man of means. He, by just in his discourse with Jesus, he's talking about commandments. He knew the commandments. He clearly had had a religious education from the point of, of, of childhood on. And yet, he wasn't putting that knowledge into action. And knowledge without action robbed him of true joy. You see, Peter and Andrew, they go on to, f- to live a life full of adventure. Clearly, they're trials and disappointments and danger, but purpose and meaning in the kingdom. We remember their names, right? We tell their stories. We admire them and their sacrifices for the kingdom. But that rich young ruler went away grieving, had his heart set on something else other than Christ, And went away sad and disappeared, never to be heard from again. See, Peter and Andrew were, what I'll call for our purposes of of our metaphor this morning, they were wave riders, they were surfers. They found out that the greatest adventures in life were found in the waves because that's where you find, that is where you find communion with God and you get to see him at work. So, very quickly, we've kind of taken enough, we have enough information right now that we can sort of evaluate ourselves, and, and all of us are pro- have to be in one of three categories right now. Either we're on the outside looking in at this peculiar community and evaluating it and trying to decide if the claims of Jesus are true. To you, I would say, don't waste any more time. Today could be the day of salvation. Trust in Christ. Begin living. And if you need more information about that, What it means to be forgiven, redeemed, adopted into God's family. You can talk to me, you can talk to Paul, anybody on our staff, most everybody that's in this room probably, and just grab somebody and find out. I would love to talk to you about that. It's the greatest news that's ever been told. Or maybe you're on the beach. You know, you're here and you say, This is kind of the sum total of my Christian life. I come, I sit, I worship, I hear the word preached. I try to live a good life between, you know, Sunday and and Saturday. But maybe I'm missing out on the true joy. Maybe you were surfing, right? Maybe you were out there in the waves and you had a bad wipeout. And you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Or maybe you think, well, you know, I retired from surfing. (laughs) Like, I did that. I did my thing. I was living that life. And, And I've got great stories and they're all behind me. You're still here. God's not through with you. God's not through with you. Get back out there. Or maybe you're like, man, I love this. I am totally a surfer. I never thought of it that way, but man, I'm out there every day looking for God's next wave. To that I would say, praise God, that's awesome, but don't be a wave hog. Look around, because there are people, <laughs> right? There are people around you that, that need a little encouragement to get out in the water, And you can drag them along with you, encourage them. It's important that we recognize where we are because we don't want to miss out on the joy that is the Christian life. And as a person who at different times in my walk have found myself spending too much time on the beach enjoying this a little too much and then not looking for the waves that God had for me out there, I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. And don't go surfing, so to speak. I'm using the metaphor here. Don't go surfing out of peer pressure because you feel guilty. Go because that's where you're going to find, where you're going to taste and see that God is good, that he's powerful, that that his plans surpass your knowledge. And James says that you will be blessed in your doing. So what do I do next? What does a surfing look like for me? What kind of waves am am I looking for? Well, that's the easy part, because they're all right here. They're all right here. Now, there's general waves, and then within those, there's going to be specific things that that God has designed just for you. But let me give you some examples of some general waves. Mark 12, 30, and 31 is a great place to start. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You think, oh, that doesn't sound like a wave. Well, if you begin to say, I want, Lord, I want to have opportunities to apply that radically Today, tomorrow, every moment, and you keep your your eyes and your ears and your spiritual senses attuned to what God is doing around you, he will give you opportunities. He will show you those waves. How about this one? Uh, Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. God, our God, is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He places the lonely in families. He leads the prisoners out. We are to be imitators of God as his children... It says, dearly loved children, we are to imitate him. So there's a wave, being a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, placing the lonely in families. Is that a wave that God has for you to catch? And then you can look at Matthew 25, verses 35 through 36, and we have feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger the alien, visit the sick, and on it goes. More waves that God reveals to us, to all of us, in his word. And then finally, the biggest wave, I think, Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. These are all waves that God has for all of us, and they're going to be expressed in different ways because we all have our own style. Not all of us are on short boards. Some of us are on long boards, right? And there's different styles and different surfing, and it's going to happen in different places for different people. But we all have waves to catch. Is it dangerous? Absolutely can be dangerous. No question. I mean, Peter and Andrew, I don't need to tell you what happened to them. But so what? So what? It's dangerous. You know, Jesus said that he's going to be with us even until the end. You know, doesn't God promise that he will be with us wherever we go? So don't let fear paralyze you. You know, is it costly? Is there sacrifice? Maybe, maybe you're like the rich young ruler. Maybe there is something, maybe it's not money, but maybe there is something in your life that you've set your heart on that if you were asked to give that one thing up, you would go away sad. I would say prayerfully think about that. Don't go away grieving. Remember what Jesus' words were in Matthew sixteen twenty five: for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What if I wipe out? Guys, this is not an if. You will wipe out in either actual surfing or the kind of surfing spiritually that we're talking about here. You will wipe out. There are going to be wipeouts. The good news is that you learn more from your wipeouts than you ever do from the great waves that you ride, right? God doesn't need you to accomplish. It's a good thing to remember. God does not need you or I to accomplish his work. He's doing the work. Right, Just like in the ocean, the wave is going to arrive at its destination with the exact same impact with or without you on it. But the fact is that God is doing a work in you. He's doing a work in me. And he says that he'll carry it on to completion. So we don't need to fear the wipeout. We need to learn from the wipeout. We need to see that God is going to show up even in those hard times. i share a quick story with you. When we first moved to Brazil, my wife and I and our kids moved to Brazil in 2006 to start a ministry to at-risk kids. And then one of the first groups of kids that we had, there was a little girl named Tamidis. And when she came to us, she was about nine years old, ten years old. Rough, rough, rough background. Her parents—not parents, not her parents, but her family. She didn't know who her parents were. Her family, extended family, were prostituting her in order to, to help the family survive. This was a girl who lived in, I mean, just the worst possible conditions you can imagine. And we tried everything. We, we spent so much time with her, meeting her physical needs, praying with her, counseling her, sharing Christ with her. And she would be there for a little while on the mission and then she would disappear and we wouldn't know where she went. And then she'd be back for a little while and then she'd disappear again. We couldn't get her to stay in school and it was just this battle, this constant, constant battle of, you know, and praying over her. And then she disappeared for a good long period of time. And then one day I was walking through town, and a bus was coming by and stopped nearby me, and I hear someone yell, Chew Mike, which is Uncle, Uncle Mike, which is what the kids called me. And I turned around, and there's Tamidis, and she's in the window, and she's waving at me. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going back to school. I'm going back to school. I'm like, that's great. She's like, yeah, it's going to be different this time. I'll come see you. I'm like, that's awesome. And so off goes the bus. A couple of days later, I get word that that same afternoon, an older girl and Tamides had gotten a hold of some drugs. And Tamides, at 11, at that point, overdosed and died. Wipeout sting for a long time, okay? And that one stung big time. And it caused me to question. I was so discouraged, I questioned, what am I even doing here? Why are we, is, are we doing any good at all? Like, what more could we have done for her? Did we not go far enough? Did we not intervene enough? And we almost gave up. We almost gave up and went home. But praise God that he strengthened us through that, and we stuck it out, that we persevered. Because a little bit later that year, a young man showed up at the mission with a friend of mine, and he was about 16 years old, this young man, and he had just gotten out of uh, youth detention, had been there for a year and nine months for selling drugs, for home invasions, gang activity, that kind of thing, assault, and he shows up there and he wants to volunteer as part of his community service after he'd gotten out. And I said, Well, what is it you know how to do? He said, I know how to break dance. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that sounds like a, a useful thing. So I asked the kids, and the kids thought that was a great idea. About 50 kids behind me, and they're like, Break dance, yes. Yeah. I was like, Okay, you're a new break dance teacher. And uh, so he came in, and that started a relationship where it, it, him and, and I and then you know, Patricia, my wife, and another friend of ours began to disciple this young man. About a week after that, he gave his life to Jesus at a youth event that we were holding. And, and that discipleship just continued and continued. About a week ago, I was in Brazil, and I was sitting, and I was watching Eduardo teach. His name is Eduardo, this young man. And I was watching Eduardo teach. And uh, today, he's a college graduate. He's got uh, a lovely wife and two beautiful little girls. He went to seminary. He's the president of the mission that, that my wife and I founded back in 2006. And I'm sitting there watching him preach and I said to the guy sitting next to me, I'm like, the disciple has surpassed the master. And then some. I'm like, man, he's good. So much better than me. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, for not letting me give up because had I given up on that first wipeout, I would have never caught that wave. Now, Eduardo, God would have done what he was gonna do. God was gonna get a hold of him and he was gonna do amazing things for Eduardo with or without me. But I wouldn't have been a part of it. I would have missed it. And what a rush that is. What a rush that is. So wipeouts happen, but if you believe that God is good, if you believe that God is just and that he's loved, then you need to act on that knowledge. You need to paddle back out into the lineup. You need to keep looking for the next wave. Don't let fear win, right? Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I'm not suggesting that you all go into the mission field. I'm not suggesting that we had, Eduardo actually lived in our house for a while on a mattress in between our two boys, young boys' beds. I'm not suggesting you bring ex-convicts into your home to sleep on the floor. Nothing like that. But I am saying this, And I I think that Pastor Mitch would say, that he's got a lot of great stories too, would say the same thing. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with hearing my stories, Pastor Mitch's stories, or anybody else's stories, because God has a story to tell with your life. He has a story to tell with your life. He has waves for you. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged by a world that seems beyond hope. Believe Jesus. And act on that knowledge because knowledge without action robs you of true joy. Now I want to pray and then um, I've got a few more words to say after I pray. So let me pray first. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this gathering, this time on the beach together. To be refreshed, to be renewed, to encourage one another, to hear from you, to worship you. But, Lord, never let us slip into the misunderstanding that this is the sum total of what it means to follow Jesus. We want to follow him into the waves, Lord. Wherever we are this morning, each of us as individuals, whether we're on the beach and we've gotten too comfortable or we're out there in the waves, God, I pray that you would move, Lord, that you would encourage each of us to have our spiritual eyes and ears open, our senses aware to see your waves, to see where you're at work, and then give us the courage to join you there, and experience true joy. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, our young people, and I see some of them here this morning, our teens, for teenagers, and I'm going to say this to the older generation: if we let our teens and our children believe that the beach is the sum total of what it means to follow Jesus we will lose a generation that's just a fact our young people want to know that 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 faith in Jesus works outside these walls that God is at work that there is something greater that there's purpose so we can't make the mistake of letting them think that this, the life on the beach, because this will become boring to them, unfortunately. If there's not life out there, life on the beach will become tedious. So they need to see that. And we took uh, a few weeks ago, as a lot of you know, we took uh, a group of our youth from the church, a group of our students from the church here, and we went on a surfing safari, so to speak, to northern Virginia. And real quickly, we're going to give you a little video recap of that, and then I'll close us out this morning. So just so you know, they were, they were working at a youth camp or a children's camp in Northern Virginia and also doing some service projects around uh, at, a, at a Title I school up there. So it was, uh, you guys should be proud of, of your students. They did a great job in being representatives for this church but being representatives more importantly for Christ. Um, left a little bookmark for everybody. You had one of these on your seat when you came in and what I hope you do is take this, with you put it in your Bible and I hope this reminds you, surf's up, okay? Uh, keep your eyes open. Uh, God has got great things uh, so I just want to ask that this, when you go out of these doors that you pick up your board on the way out and next week we can gather together to hear the stories so go with, uh, go with God and we'll see you next week. God bless you.